Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. All right, good morning. Hey, y'all. Excited for the beach? It's coming, yeah. It's going to be fun. Well, it's an honor, really, to stand before you guys. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about love for Jesus. We're going to talk about returning to our first love, stirring up our affections for him. When I was in school at App State, when I did go to class, which was not often my favorite class, I had this one coming up, Roman History. And uh, I was really excited about it. My brother and I were the kind of nerds that were reading Roman history books, Tacitus and Suetonius and Julius Caesar as kids. And so I'm really pumped for this class. And the first day of class, the professor shows up, no book, no pen, no papers, comes in, slumps down in the chair. He says, everything you need to know about the subject is in the book. Just read the book. And he would sit there for you know, an hour and ramble about his personal life and wanted us to just, just read the book. I later learned he was a tenured professor, he was on his last year, he was about to retire, and he had zero love for what he was doing, right? He had zero interest in us or in the subject he was teaching, and he made Roman history look uninteresting and boring. Um, This guy was just waiting for the end, okay? Um, And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of Christian who gets to the end of my life and I'm loveless, I'm disinterested, I'm joyless calloused, dead, cynical. Um, I don't want to limp to the finish line. I want my love for Jesus to grow and burn brighter with each passing year. And this morning, we're gonna, I'm, I'm just going to share from Scripture uh, a couple of things uh, that the Lord says can go on in our hearts. So I'm going to ask you one question. What is the temperature of your heart in your affections toward Jesus? What is the temperature of my heart, Lord, this morning? Um, How warm are my affections for Jesus? Do I love him? Not just like him, not respect him, not just serve him, not do my parents love him, do I love him? Um, And I I hope this is a a reminder because God is working among us. He really is. I I, I really, it just blesses me and encourages me so much the love you guys have shown to my family and that I see you sharing to one another. Um, So think of this as a tune-up. God's word reminds us to love him with all of our heart. And there's at least uh, three conditions, three temperatures of our heart that we want to avoid. The first one is a cold heart. So God's word reminds us in Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Paul told Timothy, look at this, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, mark this, look out for this. There will be terrible times in the last days, and I want you to notice three things people are going to love. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and he gives this whole host of things that come from that boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, and then check this out, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Our greatest need in this age, in every age of the church, is to keep our love and our affections burning hot for Jesus. Because the increase of wickedness 
will make your love grow cold. And, and people, Jesus uh, said, will love self, money, and pleasure more than God. I mean, I've, I think you could encapsulate American culture in those three words. Self, money, pleasure. Love of self, love of money, love of pleasure. It's all around us. But Jesus said you can't serve two masters, right? You can't serve God and money because if your affections, your appetite is bent towards money, your affections and your appetite for Jesus will decrease. Okay, so I, I wanna point out as well that lo love growing cold is not the sudden choice to hate God. Okay, it's a gradual hardening of the heart, a lessening of affection, a replacing of desire for God for desire for self, money, pleasure. It's like your campfire is going out because you're fiddling around with your flashlight. Um, but the first condition, the first temperature of your heart, a cold heart, sounds bad, right? But at least there's only one place to go, which is up. Um, Jesus said there's something actually more dangerous than a cold heart. It's having a lukewarm heart and not knowing it. Right? So, so the second temperature of the heart is a lukewarm heart. And listen to Revelation 3, 14 through 16. Jesus said to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these things. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Ouch. So Jesus, when he says cold, he means unbelieving, utterly indifferent, no affection for Jesus. I could care less. And he says, I wish you were that, or I wish you were hot. And I love the word for hot here in the Greek. It is the word zestos, and it means boiling, boiling hot. Not just warm, boiling hot, overflowing with heat. So their hearts aren't frozen and they aren't boiling. They're more like bath water in the middle, right? And Jesus is saying it's, it's better for you that you be clearly, blatantly, unhypocritically unbelieving than to pretend to be a Christian and do Christian stuff and inside there's no love for me. Ooh. Inside there's no love for me. So in the next verse, in verse 17, yeah, I love this. He defines, what is lukewarm? Here's what they're saying. I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I'm rich, I've got wealth, and I don't need anything. The lukewarm person is a person who wears the clothes of Christianity, but they are self-satisfied. They're not needy. They don't have a true view of themselves, right? Because Jesus said, no, you're actually pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Um, so Jesus said that the temperature of our hearts can grow cold. It can be worn down by the wickedness of this world. It really can. I felt it. It can be, it be, it can be numbed. Um, and it can be lukewarm. You can wake up and say, uh, Lord, I'm pretty sure this week I'm praying and I'm seeking you and I'm worshiping just so you'll help me preach good on Sunday. <laughs> oh, don't want to do that. Instead of, Lord, I love you with all my heart, my mind, and soul just because of who you are. Not what you can give me. Not what you can do for me on Sunday. So, so Jesus said your heart can be cold. It can be lukewarm. Uh, he also says that we can leave our first love, right? I know you guys are familiar with this. In, in Revelation chapter two, 
Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. You work hard. Your perseverance. You can't tolerate wicked people. And you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but they are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered. You've endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So like I said, I can, I can perfect the way I talk, the way I sing, the way I act. All the while, my heart can be cold towards God, right? I mean, I can have it going on on the outside. I'm blessed. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Inside, dead cold. It can happen. And, and Jesus says we can drift further and further away from that first love we had when we did what we did just out of sheer enjoyment of him and out of affection for him. We can drift. We can, I can be fooled into thinking that all the programs, uh, all the service, all the influence, all the money, all the strategies, all the things that I'm writing down, all my neat ideas are the same thing as loving him. Um, and so, I, I mean, the church in Ephesus, they were doing some really great stuff, right? You, you look at that, I know your deeds. This is, this is an awesome performance review where Jesus says to this church, you work hard, you persevere, you don't tolerate wickedness, you uphold justice, you test those who are false apostles and try to get in the church and you, you stiff arm them, you find, find them false. Uh, you persevere, you've endured hardships for my name and you haven't grown weary but they'd abandoned their first love, right? They'd replaced working because they love Jesus with working as love for Jesus. Do you see the difference? Working as fruit that comes out of my love for Jesus versus, no, working is love for Jesus. And I don't have to have anything going on in here. Um, so let me be clear. We're commanded, we're called to do all these things. If we love him, we will keep his commandments, but it comes out of that love Religion had replaced relationship. And, and it's really easy. I mean, over time, our affection for Jesus can be replaced with this mentality, um, what do I have to do and how much do I have to do it? What's the bare minimum to put myself in God's favor and prove that I love him, prove that I'm a Christian, look like a Christian? Do I need to come to church once a week? Okay, that's it, cool, I'll do that, right? It can, it can replace affection, genuine affection for him, um, and our, and our love for him is no longer being stirred up. And you can get to the place where, okay, now I'm wearing this mask and I can't admit, hey, I might not be strong. I might have doubts. I'm tempted by sin. I don't always love Jesus. Tuesday afternoons, I'm not all that nice. Whatever, okay? Um, and all the while, while the Ephesian church at this point it seems like they're offering to the world, come to Jesus and you'll be able to stand on your own two feet. Come to Jesus, you'll be self-sufficient and successful. And the whole time Jesus is asking you and me, are you thirsty? Do you need a drink? Are you hungry? Do you need food? Will you treasure me above everything else? If I were the only benefit of calling yourself a Christian, would you still want in? Am I all satisfying to you? And if you're married, I think a lot of us know this. Um, 
even if we don't always articulate it, like if Janelle, if I came home and she asked me, honey, do you love me? And I said, well, I mean, I'm wearing the ring, aren't I? I got that ring on. I go, (laughs) I said my vows. Yeah, I said those vows six years ago. Um, I go to work every day, don't I? I I pick up heavy things for you. I gave up video games. I mean, what do you, you know, yeah, I love you. And she would, right, she would look at me. No, 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 not what can you do for me. Do you love me? Does your heart burn with affection for me? Do you want to be around me? Um, And so I want to get, get clear what we're aiming at. We've talked about these temperatures of the heart where our heart can grow cold, our heart can be lukewarm. We can leave behind our first love. What are we aiming at? Well, it's, it's, it's the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. Our greatest need is satisfied by his greatest commandment. And if you remember from Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That sounds pretty total, right? Sounds all-consuming, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. God's not interested, like with the Laodiceans and the Ephesians, God's not impressed by our abundance. He's not impressed by our self-dependence. He doesn't look down and say, you know what, they're doing a lot of great stuff. They don't really love me, but they're doing good stuff. No, he says, return to your first love. And so uh, this love is a desiring him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Um, I love, I'm gonna read these two Psalms and I, I just ask that you would commit these um, to memory, to prayer, um, meditate on these psalms. The first one is Psalm 63. The second is Psalm 73. And these are what I pray, to, to tell my soul, to tell my spirit, to tell my mind, come, in, come into the love of Jesus, to come into alignment, to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips my mouth will praise you. Hmm. Oh, I forgot to change it, sorry, but there it is. Psalm 63, and then Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, there's nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength and my portion forever. So we're aiming at this all-consuming, white-hot love for Jesus that desires him with our whole being but I think we all know in our flesh and blood, in our humanity, <laughs> I'm, sometimes I'm not all that earnest in seeking him, right? Not all that thirsty, not all that hungry. It's hard to say. I mean, look at this one. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. There's, there's times I can think of a lot of things earth has that I desire more than him. And then, and then verse 26, even when my flesh and my heart are broken, when they fail me, that God is the strength of my heart and my portion, that's what we're praying for. So this morning, um, 
I'm asking God to do it in me. I'm asking him to do it in us as a body, that he would stir up in us greater affection for him, that we would acquire new taste buds in the spirit and, and, and that the Lord would raise the temperature of our hearts toward him. We can't do this. We can't say this except by the spirit. Did you know that? We can't muster it up. We can't through willpower do this only by the spirit. And so I, I wanna give us just five quick strategies. There's a lot more that, that you all could share from your wisdom, from your lives, but I just wanna share five that have been impactful for me to raise the temperature of our hearts um, and to stoke the fires of love for Jesus. The first one is honesty. Take off the mask. I mean, Jesus told the church in Ephesus to consider, to think about how far you've fallen and to repent and do the things you did at first. We don't have to pretend before God. Um, I, I would just encourage you to take an honest inventory of your heart. There have been many times, seriously, there have been many times where I was preparing to lead worship, preparing to speak, preparing to do something at work, where just the Spirit would just reveal, you're getting up early and praying, that's good. You're seeking me, that's good. I think you're doing it just so you get something out of me. <laughs> so I show up on Tuesday. So I show up on Sunday. And that's good. that's good to desire him. Lord, show up to have that urgency, to have that fire. Lord, please show up because if you don't show up, we've got nothing, right? But how many times do you just worship him because you enjoy him? How many times are you telling me you love him just because you enjoy him? Um, so honesty, being honest with myself, um, and saying sometimes, Lord, I'm just wearing a mask. I'm just going through the motions. And just like if you're going through AA or Celebrate Recovery, the first step is to admit you have a problem, right? And that you need help. Um, so he tells them to, to just be honest. Just consider how you've fallen and then do the things you did at first. Because God, in these, in these um, messages for the churches in Revelation, it's his kindness. It's his love. He's inviting them back into relationship, back into love for him. So we can run towards him. Um, so what were they doing at first, the church in Ephesus? Well, if you read Acts, when the gospel hit Ephesus, I mean, they were publicly confessing sins. They were burning their magic books. They were um, dwelling together in unity despite persecution. And I think what happened is they just became professional Christians. They just became comfortable. They became self-sufficient. And they might have looked back on their uh, younger selves and said, man, we were kind of embarrassing back then. We were a little extreme, over-eager maybe, too, too fundamentalist. Um, and Jesus said, no, return to that raw love, that raw obedience, that simple faith in the gospel. Because the fact is we need the gospel every single day. We'll never stop needing Jesus. So Lord, wake me up. Give me an honest spirit to, to, to diagnose when I'm not loving you and I'm wearing a mask. Okay, so take off the mask. Secondly, ask God to change your affections. Matthew 6 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your affections will follow what you treasure. Your love will follow what you treasure. And then I love this Psalm, Psalm 119, 36 through 37. Turn my heart. Lord, turn my heart. I can't turn it myself. Turn my heart towards your law and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. I mean, this has been really transformative uh, for me in the last couple of years, just asking the Holy Spirit to help me love the Lord with all 
my heart, mind, and soul. Not, not asking, Lord, help me not to sin. Lord, help me just awaken a greater desire for you than for sin. A heart battle, a battle for the affections, for treasuring him, for loving him. Um, because if I try, okay, okay, I'm, I've got some impatience in my heart, okay? And if I try to make myself patient by willpower and sheer effort, two things are gonna happen. I'm either gonna be miserable or I'm gonna be a legalist, right? I'm gonna master that thing and I did it myself. And I'm gonna be a legalist or I'm gonna be miserable. Um, but instead, asking God to change our affections is, Lord, turn my heart, turn my eyes to see you as more worthy of affection, more worthy of attachment, more worthy of joy, more worthy of worship than whatever my impatient heart is fixated on, okay? And by the Spirit's work, those desires will lessen. So I was thinking this morning of an illustration in the natural. Uh, when I drive home from Wilkesboro to Boone, I pass three Bojangles, um, and right now they're having two for five Cajun filet biscuits. <laughs> Lord help me. <laughs> and so I just see, you know, they're just like dancing in front of my eyes as I'm driving. And I'm just muttering, Cajun filet, Cajun filet. Um, so if Janelle calls me and she says, hey, honey, I've got dinner ready for you. Um, I've made this awesome dinner. I spent an hour cooking it. It's your favorite. Okay. Now I've got a new desire, Right. My desires have shifted, and I can leverage that stronger desire for Janelle, for her cooking, for the time she's invested. I can leverage that against my desire for Bojangles. Does that make sense? Now I've got, now I've got some power with which to fight this lesser desire. And then, I mean, if I get home and there's Cajun filet biscuits waiting, it's just, that's golden. Um, so another example, I was just thinking about my commute. One time, uh, my, one of my favorite bands, they released a new album, and I, I didn't even think about the drive. And when I got to Boone, in fact, I took the long way home to keep listening to the album <laughs> because a superior pleasure had dislodged an inferior desire to just get home. I just got to get home. Um, and so th those, are, those are small things, but even more serious things like, what if my desire to share intimacy with my wife is stronger than my desire for immediate gratification? What if my desire to be in shape so I can play with my kids when I'm older is stronger than my desire to eat a whole package of Oreos at the same time? Double stuff. Um, so quickly, I think uh, th there, are, there are a couple of books that have really helped me in, in this uh, learning to ask God, just change my desires. Help me love you more. Awaken affection for you, desire for you. Because otherwise, we're coming at it from a sin-focused, problem-focused way. Lord, just help me not do this. I don't want to do this. Help me not do this. Instead, Lord, awaken love for you. Yeah. Awaken love for you. And those lesser things, they, they will fade away. So three books that have really helped me in that, um, I'd commend them to you. Uh, well, let's just mention two, and they're old. The first is Augustine's Confessions, um, where he talks about God replacing his lust with, for instant gratification with a desire for God. And the second is a book, just the title alone, even if you don't read it, just the title's awesome, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection by Thomas Chalmers. I love that. The, the power of a new affection, a greater affection to drive out a lesser affection. 
So I'd commend those to you, and I, and I just want to read from, from Confessions, one of my favorite lines that Augustine said. He said, how sweet all at once it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I used to fear to lose. You drove them from me, you who are the true and sovereign joy. You drove them from me and you took my, their place. You are sweeter than all pleasure. You outshine all light. You surpass all honor. Oh Lord, my God, my light, my wealth, and my salvation. All right, so, so third, live in the new way of the spirit. And this is similar to asking God to change our affections. Romans 7, 6 says, we've been released from the law so that now we can serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Now we can ground our relationship on love and not on rule keeping. So the old way says, God, give me a list of things to do and not to do so that I can be a good person, right? Give me, give me what to do, what not to do so I can be a good Christian. And if I just don't drink and smoke and cuss and chew and fool with those who do, then the rest of the time is my time, all right? I can spend my time, talent, treasure on whatever I want. The living in the new way, I think, or at least this is how I think of it, is asking the question, when I do this, does it stir up affection for Jesus? Or does it dull it? Does it numb it? Does it wither it? So I made a little list. Here's a quick list of things that stir up Affection for Jesus, hiking, camping out in the woods, worshiping through song, meeting with other guys to pray and talk about Jesus, Saturdays with my family, watching really good movies, reading really good books. And I think we know that sin robs our affection of God. It never interrupts his love for you, by the way. Nothing can separate you from his love. We know that sin robs us of our affection, but I made a list of some things that aren't they're sort of, eh, seem like good things, right? That nonetheless lessen my affection for him. Overeating, frantically online shopping. When I'm like researching and shopping for the best hiking backpack and I've spent eight hours doing it, it's robbing my affections for Jesus. That's just me. Watching too much TV, staying up late, constant sarcasm. I love joking and I love sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, oh yes. Robs me of affection for Jesus. Um, quickly, so we've, we've, we've talked about uh, just being honest, take off the mask, ask God to change your affections that leads to your behaviors. Not, not just God change my behaviors, change my affections, change my desires. Live in the new way of the spirit. Fourth, meditate on the love of Jesus. Think about how much he loves you, how much he gave for you. Um, one of the things I love thinking about is, is how Jesus treated people when he was interrupted, when he was inconvenienced. He always showed love, compassion, kindness, patience. Think about his love for you. Let me, let me just read a couple of these verses. John uh, 15, 9 says this, as the father loved me, I love you. The degree and the magnitude and the intensity and the ferocity that God loves his son, Jesus loves you. Infinite love, unending love, unwavering love, Jesus loves you with that love. And then he says, abide in that love, live in it, swim in it, breathe in it, meditate on it, think about it. Let it be your anthem, let it be on your lips in the morning and when you go to bed, think about his love. 
And finally, I won't have a lot of time to, to unpack these two. Love other people. Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you with that ferocity, that intensity, that unwavering affection, love other people. 1 John 4, 21, anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. John says it over and over in 1 John. If you wanna know the temperature of your heart toward God, look at the temperature of your heart toward other people. Do you love them? Jesus said the greatest command is to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And listen, the, the battle for your affections begin the moment you leave this building, the moment you get up from your seat right now. The battle for your affections is raging all the time because the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, all they wanna do is rob you of affection for Jesus to numb you with entertainment and worry and self-absorption and pleasure and problems, to slowly freeze your heart and dull your affections for Jesus. But I, I, one of my favorite sermon series that Daryl preached was, was being people of a different spirit, being people of a different spirit. Remember that word zestos, boiling? God I'm asking that you would make us a boiling, loving people, that our hearts would overflow with love for you, with affection for you. Lord, I'm asking that you would make us like you. I'm asking that you would stir up our affections for you, Jesus, that you would be more pleasurable, more enjoyable, more worthy of our praise and our affections and our time. And Lord, push out those lesser joys. In Jesus' name. The worship team would come on up. Um, why don't we all stand? <laughs> when I, I looked, came in this morning, they were um, getting ready for worship. The songs are just so powerful. And I think just went, went along with what the Spirit's wanting to say through this word to return to our first love, to pour out our affection on Jesus. And I wanna read from Luke 7, 36 through 50. A lot of you know this story. And this is a portrait of boiling love, of zestos love. And it comes from a prostitute, okay? It comes from a prostitute who comes into Jesus, into the house where Jesus is. And he's with a religious leader who has that cold, frozen love. Listen to this. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him, behind him, not even facing him, at his feet, Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, he's saying this in his heart, if this man were truly a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. 
I love this. And Jesus, he knew his thoughts. He just see him turn to him. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither one of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. And then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, he's looking at her, but he's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little will love little. Jesus turned to her and said, your sins have been forgiven. The other guests said, who is this that forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Whatever the temperature of your heart is this morning, I don't know, God knows. I don't know if it's cold. I don't know if it's lukewarm. I don't know if you feel like I do this week. Lord, I've left my first love. I'm putting on a mask to do a task and I've left my first love behind. Whatever the temperature of your heart is this morning, the offer is still the same. Jesus says, come and drink, come and eat, taste and see that I am good and that I am all satisfying and you will find rest for your soul. You can lay down your burdens. If you're cold, he says, taste and see that I am good. If your heart is lukewarm, taste and see that I am good. If you've lost your first love, he says, remember how good I was. Remember how satisfying I was. I, I wonder if we could, if, if, you're, if you feel the spirit moving in your heart and you say, yeah, Lord, I want to raise the temperature. I want to raise it to boiling. I don't want a cold, lukewarm, leftover love for you. I just invite you up front. Just come on up front and we're going we're gonna to sing how much we love Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.